Hello, my friends. You're listening to Repent and Believe podcast with Cynthia Smalls of Back to God Ministries. Welcome, my friends. Here we talk and teach the message of Jesus Christ, the only one who can claim the title of Savior of the world. We also discuss all things repentance and belief in Jesus Christ and how all these things tie into living a lifestyle where our deeds are manifested and fast and God so that we may be molded by the Father into vessels to be used for His glory. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's get started. Hey everyone, before we get started, I'd like to say thank you for tuning in. And if you enjoy my podcast, please share download, leave me a message or comment. Thanks guys. Hello everyone. This is Cynthia Smalls with Back to God Ministries. How's everyone doing today? I pray that all is well in your lives, that you are walking by faith and not by sight. You, beloved, are to never give up on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, my brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. What we talking about today? Well, you and I cannot slide our way into heaven loaded with willful sin. And we cannot be ignorant of the scriptures that tells us the unrighteous will not inherit God's kingdom. That's why, beloved, we must be constantly on alert and examine where we truly are in the faith. Are we on the straight and narrow path that leads to eternal life? Hmm? Are we being obedient to the one who died and shed his blood for us? Are we grieving Holy Spirit by bucking up against his solid leading and guiding? Because you see, These are the things we must ask ourselves. Are we allowing our enemy, the devil, to have his way in our lives? Huh? Let's go to the scripture. Because this is our base and foundation for today's exhortation. 1 Peter 5. 8 through 10, the Amplified Bible says, Be sober, well-balanced, and self-disciplined. Be alert and cautious at all times. That enemy of yours. See, beloved, this is why Peter is telling us to be well-balanced and self-disciplined. Be on alert 
and cautious at all times. Why? Well, he's telling us why we need to be this way. Yes, Holy Spirit, he's telling us why we must be this way. We have ourselves an enemy. Listen, Peter goes on to say, that enemy of yours, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, fiercely hungry, seeking someone to devour, but resist him. Be firm in your faith against his attack. Rooted, established, immovable. Oh, beloved, look at how we are to be. We are to be firmly rooted in our faith, established and immovable. Meaning, it don't matter what anyone has to say. We know from the Bible the unrighteous will not ever, never enter into God's kingdom. Don't let anyone move you from that biblical truth. Listen, what else he says here? Knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being experienced by your brothers and sisters throughout the world. You do not suffer alone. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who imparts his blessing and favor, who called you to his own eternal glory in Christ, will himself complete, confirm, strengthen, and establish you, making you what you ought to be. Well, amen. Glory be to God. Beloved, listen and hear me. Us standing firm, flat-footed in this faith, the reward for Standing firm, standing strong, steadfast is eternal life. The goal should be the culmination of our faith, which is what? Our salvation. This is why, although it may seem like we just go through so much, and we do. Peter said, you are not alone. This is common amongst the brethren. You're going to suffer. Why? Heavy persecution, opposition, because you carry the message of the gospel, and this unbelieving Christ-rejecting, God-denying world don't want the good news. They want what they want, which is what? Sin. And they can say whatever they want to say. But the truth of the matter, Christ Jesus already told us in John 3 that they reject 
the light. They don't come to the light. Why? Because Jesus, who is the light, will expose their worthless evil deeds. So, you're going to have opposition, pushback. You will be called everything but the child of the Most High God. You will be called a false teacher. You will be called a keyboard bully. You will be called, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, when you come with Christ Jesus' core message, repent or perish, Rather than saying that, oh, God loves everyone. Everybody get to go to heaven. Everybody is good in their own way. If you ain't coming with that easy, breezy, greasy grace, you're going to get pushed back, which is fine. It is to be expected. What did Christ say? I believe it was him, but it's in the New Testament. That if the world loves you, whoa, 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 whoa. We shouldn't be loved by this world because the world, humanity by and large, hates Jesus. So only those who truly surrendered their lives to the Lord will absolutely love your message. So, before we get started, really started, let me give you Philippians 2.12. So then, my dear ones, just as you have always obeyed my instructions with enthusiasm, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. Continue to work out your salvation. That is, cultivate it. Bring it to full effect. Actively pursue spiritual maturity with awe-inspired fear and trembling, using serious caution and critical self-evaluation to avoid anything that might offend God or discredit the name of Christ. Amen. That Sounds like a whole lot like, what was that? First Peter 5, 8 through 10. We are commanded to be cautious at all times. We have an enemy and we cannot be deceived that we can't be touched by temptation. Because if we are, well, James 4, 7 tells us what to do. We are to submit ourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Amen. Also, 
We must self-evaluate where we are. We cannot be so deluded to think that now that we are in the body of Christ, all we do is just sit back and enjoy the ride. No, Paul, right? Paul is telling us we must work out our salvation with what? Fear and trembling. Yes, actively pursuing spiritual maturity. We are to be growing in Christ, beloved. So, let me ask. Will God let you slide your little self into heaven? Because, as you may recall, we talked about this same thing over the summer. That's why for this new year, 2024, I believe I'm being led to revisit this exhortation once again. Will Christ Jesus say to the Father, although this one right here standing before you lived a life of sinful perfection, lived the life of hypocrisy, lukewarmness, and rebellion all the while, professing that I was his Lord and Savior. And Savior. Come on, Father, just let him in anyway. For after all, he said, Lord, Lord, although he was a worker of iniquity, who cast out demons in my name, prophesied in my name, and he even performed mighty miracles in my name, but he was a worker of lawlessness the whole time, but he did say, Lord, Lord. Beloved, do you think the father will say to Jesus, okay, okay, let him slide into heaven. I know he didn't live a life of obedience, but he did say that sinner's prayer 25 years ago, so he must be born again. Just let him slide on in, Jesus, beloved. I'm going to ask you again. Will God let you and I slide into heaven? And the answer is no. Absolutely not. Listen, the Lord Jesus Christ is not going to let any one of us just slide into heaven. The Bible tells us explicitly who will, who shall inherit eternal life and it will not be the one who is banking on sliding into heaven hoping and praying that their church membership their half-hearted bible study their faithful oh my goodness not faithful but that their faithful weekly and monthly tithes and offerings 
thinking that their money will buy God off as if he's the mafia. And not to mention the worshiping of the apostate bishop and his seductress first lady who calls herself the prophetess will be good enough for them to just slide right on into heaven anyway. No. Listen, there was never no crucifying of the flesh for this one. There was no turning from sin for this one. There was no picking up their cross and diligently and faithfully and truthfully following Jesus. There was absolutely no, sad to say, renewing of the mind that we are no longer of this devil-deceiving, perishing world with all of, with all of this superficial Luciferian values that we see among those who are perishing, even though we are in this world, the Bible tells us not to be part of it. And for those who are banking on sliding into heaven under <clears throat> under some greasy grace, you're going to be in for a rude awakening. Listen, there must be forsaken of evil. There cannot be any breaking of the necks to partake both of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. And I don't even know how that's even possible because the Lord says you can't do it. What I need, I need 1 Corinthians 10, 21. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. You can't. So if you think having communion with Satan and communion with the Lord is okay, you're wrong. You are absolutely wrong. Listen, there must be total obedience. There must be a putting off of the old man and putting on the new man. There must be walking in the newness of life. Not walking in the wretchedness and filthiness of one's vomit. That sinful nature that should have been crucified with Christ long ago is going to drag you back on that broad, wide road that leads to eternal destruction. Beloved, as we enter this new year, this must be our mindset always going forward. We got an enemy. 
who wants to trick us out of our salvation through false doctrines that we can disobey God, claim with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, but there's no departing from iniquity. We must understand, yes, Holy Spirit, the fact that we are entering yet another year, that means one thing only. The coming of our Lord is ever closer now than it was yesterday. Each day by God's grace that he gives us to breathe his good air, that only means one thing. That's one step closer to the grave or Christ's second coming. That's why in these last dark days, and you cannot say things are getting better or that things will. No. No, it's not prophesied for things to get better. It's going to get worse and worse and worse. More darkness upon more darkness upon more darkness. This world is preparing. This satanic devil-worshipping world is preparing for their antichrist with all exuberant zeal. So how much more should we in our exuberant zeal await the coming of the Christ, our Kingsman Redeemer? We should be top level exuberant by living faithful and obedient lives. Because I can assure you, beloved, these Luciferians, these satanic worshipers in high places and in low places, they are preparing themselves for battle. They know there's going to be a battle against good and evil, Jesus and the devil, and they have already pledged their allegiance to their father, Satan. So they are going full steam ahead. And we see their agendas. Look at the world. Look at how far we have come. They call good evil and evil good. And the Bible tells us that's how we know we are in the last of the last days. The end time events are right on the cusp. Listen. We cannot be plotting and scheming. Twisting God's grace into something that it is not. His grace gives us the ability to reject all ungodliness. His grace is not given to those who are prideful, disobedient, and arrogant. 
No, it is not. And if you think you have his grace and you live like that, that's a false grace. So, can't you see why living a repented life is so crucial, is so crucial to our salvation? Why we must not live with unconfessed sin? My brothers and sisters, let us not forget that we do have an advocate, Christ Jesus, in heaven. What did John tell us over here in 1 John 2, verses 1 to 6? My little children, believers, dear ones, I am writing you these things so that you will not sin and violate God's law. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate who will intercede for us with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, the upright, the just one, who conforms to the Father's will in every way, purpose, thought, and action. And he, that same Jesus, hallelujah, is the propitiation for our sins, the atoning sacrifice that holds back the wrath of God that would otherwise be directed at us because of our sinful nature, our worldliness, our lifestyle, and not for ours alone, but also for the sins of all believers throughout the world. Amen. Verse 3, and this is how we know daily by experience that we have come to know him, to understand him and be more deeply acquainted with him. Ready? If we habitually keep focused on his precepts and obey his commandments, teachings. Whoever says, I have come to know him, but does not habitually keep focused on his precepts and obey his commandments is a liar. And the truth of the divine word is not in him, but whoever habitually keeps his word and obeys his precepts and treasures his message in its entirety in him. That one, beloved, the love of God has truly been perfected. It is completed and has reached maturity by this we know for certain that we are in him. Verse 6, whoever says he lives in Christ, that is, whoever says he has accepted him as God and Savior, ought as a moral obligation 
to walk and conduct himself just as he walked and conducted himself. Amen. Amen. Glory to the Father and the Lamb of God. Oh, beloved, listen. The Bible has much to say about obedience. In fact, obedience is an essential part of the Christian faith. Christ Jesus himself was, according to Philippians 2.8, obedient unto death, even death on a cross for us. The act of taking up our cross and following Jesus, as according to Matthew 16, 24, means obedience. The Bible says that we show our love for Lord Jesus by obeying him in all things. John 14, 15, Jesus says, if you love me, if you really love me, keep my commandments. So those who follow Jesus, who is not obeying his commands, can rightly be asked. Like he asked the question over there in Luke 6, 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Amen. And beloved, let me assure you, many say, Lord, Lord. But then when you start bringing in the stringency of Jesus' teachings, and it don't sit right where they are truly walking, they're going to get offended. And rightly so, we should feel some kind of way when we know we ain't living right, but then thus saith the Lord, his word comes. It should dig around in that heart. It should prick it. You should feel convicted unto repentance rather than wanting to fight and and just start slandering the brethren who is exhorting you and perhaps in some cases come with sharp rebuke. That's not what the Lord says how we ought to live. He says, according to his word, thus and so, and thus and so. And if you are living contrary to that word, well, you're going to be offended. You're going to feel insulted because you are a professing Christian. And how dare anyone question you because you, as you proclaim, Oh, I study the Bible two and three times a week. I lead Bible studies every every month. Yeah, but um, you're still going back home to someone who is not your husband. You're still going back home to someone who is not your wife. You already have a spouse. They live 
across town. And so what? Man has given you all a writ of divorcement. And now you sit up in a remarriage that is not sanctioned by God. But then you want to say, well, what Jesus teaches on divorce and remarriage is up for interpretation. What? What? But then other doctrines of Christ, oh, you right on board. But, because I'm telling you, beloved, I'm seeing this more and more. People talk a good game. Don't believe the hype. What's going on behind closed doors in private? That's the real them. They are living in disobedience. So, Jesus, Lord Jesus, has the absolute right to question anyone who is living like that. Why do you call me Lord? Lord, Lord, as if confirmation. And do not do what I say. Lord, you right. Let us ask for forgiveness, beloved. Let us repent for all the times we have said, Lord, Lord, but we were not obeying Christ Jesus. So, I think I may just be keeping this real short. I I don't know. I don't know because If you are going to confess his name, Lord, Lord, then our lives must be reflective of our confession. Listen, if Jesus Christ is in fact your Lord and Savior, we must obey him, listen to him, and follow him all the way unto death. Let us be reminded of what the Lord told the church at Smyrna in the book of Revelation chapter 2, starting in verse 8. And to the angel, divine messenger of the church in Smyrna, write, These are the words of the first and the last, absolute deity, the Son of God, who died and came to life again, I know your suffering and your poverty, but you are rich and how you are blasphemed and slandered by those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. They are Jews only by blood and do not believe and truly honor the God whom they claim to worship. Fear nothing, verse 10, fear nothing that you are about to suffer. Be aware that the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested in your faith, and for 10 days you will have tribulation. Be faithful to the point of death. If you must die for your faith, 
and I will give you the crown consisting of life. Verse 11, he who has an ear, let him hear and heed what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes the world through believing that Jesus is the Son of God will not be hurt by the second death, the lake of fire. Amen. So let me give you all some scriptures to whom the Bible says the Lord Jesus Christ will give eternal life to. Because again, we cannot be deluded, walking in self-delusion that we have eternal life and therefore we don't have to live a life of obedience because it is sealed in the bag. But that's not but that's not Bible. That's false doctrine. That's tickling ear messages. That's telling you what your flesh wants to hear. You want to be spiritual and worldly. And I keep bringing us back over here. Listen, I want to come over here to Matthew. Matthew 6, because Lord Jesus says, uh-uh, no, you can't have two masters and be devoted to both of them equally. Listen, yes, Holy Spirit, Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, money, possessions, fame, status, or whatever is valued more than the Lord. Amen. How are you? This is a tight race. Listen, if we come down, I mean, since we over here, right? Let's come down to verse 33, Matthew 6. Because Jesus was saying that how to take no thought about your life. The Father knows exactly what we need. So all that we running after the world to get what we're going to eat, what we're going to drink, what we're going to wear, just filled with anxiety about your life and he goes on to say about all of this worrying won't change nothing. It won't change the number of hairs on your head. Is is not going to change anything. So calm down. What you need now, I'm paraphrasing y'all. Okay, go over there and study Matthew 6, 24 all the way to at least verse 33 let me see does it go on to verse 34 hold on I, I i think so yeah yeah all the way down to verse 34 because the lord is saying 
Don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of his own. And he's telling us up in verse 33, because that was verse 34. But in verse 33, rather than focusing on your life. Now, beloved, we know we must have stewardship over our lives. But don't get so worked up in a frenzy that you leave Jesus, chase after what the pagans chase after, and end up on that broad way. Because you get to chasing after what the pagans are running after, you're going to find yourselves right back in your vomit, idolizing and coveting. So, He's telling us in verse 33 what the first thing ought to be the first thing. We are to, because he's saying, he says, but first and most importantly, seek, aim at, strive after his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right, the attitude and character of God, and all these things will be given to you also. Amen. He's telling us that we must first seek the kingdom of God. Make sure you are in right standing. Do, no, have you been born again? Have you repented of sin trusted in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And now going forward, you sin not, knowing and striving after his righteousness, his way of doing and being right, the attitude and character of God. Are you seeking the kingdom? Are you seeking eternal life in Christ Jesus? So all this stuff that we sitting back worrying about our life, our bills, our kids, our spouses, jobs, health, you name it. Again, keeping the balance. Yes, we must have stewardship over those things and, and plan things accordingly, but don't get it twisted. Our primary focus is the kingdom and his righteousness and everything else. The house, the car, the man, the woman, your money, what you're going to eat, where you're going to live, them kids, all of that is going to be straightened out by the father. He knows exactly what we need. The problem is we think he don't. So getting back to eternal life so that we are not deceived. And what I love about these scriptures that I'm about to give us is that it clears up the matter because no, we won't be able to just slide on into heaven, not living lives of waywardness and disobedience and lawlessness. And you can claim once saved, always saved eternal security until you are blue in the faith, in, in the faith, in the face. 
because Paul says, work out your salvation. We got work to do, not works of legalism. Stop it. We, we ain't talking about that. The work he's talking about is fearing the Lord and living your life accordingly, whereby adjustments must be made. No longer do you hang out with people who hate Jesus. No longer do you allow certain individuals into your inner circle because you know they don't obey God. So, yes, there's a lot of discipline that must be taking place, not to mention obedience is a daily picking up that cross and crucifying the flesh. Well, that's work because I don't know about you, but hmm, for me, oh, daily. And listen, there's... <laughs> There's a lot of things Cynthia wants to do. But I know the consequence of sin. That's why daily. Listen, if we struggle with anything, right? Our, our mentality should not be, well, you know, this thing is just too hard to do. So I'm I'm just going to just do it anyway because I know God's grace got me covered. Well, that's the wrong mindset. The correct mindset is to go to God, go to the throne room of grace to seek help and mercy. Father, listen, if you got to go there every single day, Father, help me, strengthen me, show me the way. But then don't turn around and go back and go, well, you know, that that's just too hard. And then and then you want to start conjuring up other interpretations of what Christ really means. Like for instance, yes, I'm I'm staying on this divorce and remarriage equals adultery. You cannot even imagine the pushback we get, especially dealing with that topic, because people don't want to be alone. People don't want to stop having sex. And so, oh boy, oh boy, we get all types of scenarios about why it should and must be okay for them to stay where they are. So not to air out anyone's dirty laundry, but it runs the gamut from abusive spouse to now being in a remarriage. And recently the covenant spouse has died, but the whole time they were alive, they were in this adulterous remarriage, and so now everything is good, right? The spouse died, but have you repented of that adulterous remarriage? I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, because see, my school of thought is this. i rather stay on the Lord's side than, than trying to conjure up a wiggle room where... No repentance is needed. 
and that I can still stay put. You must be serious about your walk of salvation. You must tread it with fear and trembling. Because we do know our God is love. And he is compassionate, merciful, abounding, abounding with forgiveness and and cleansing us from all unrighteousness. He is for us. We have a God that is above every lesser God. Why wouldn't we want to honor him with our lives? Why wouldn't we want to respect his holy name and what he has done for us? So we know our God is compassionate, but you better understand He is a righteous God, a just God, and his justice demanded payment for sin, and Christ Jesus paid it with his sinless, perfected life. So, in Christ. We are not greater than our master. We have been commanded, John tells us in his three letters, that we must walk as Christ walked. In what? Sinless perfection? Well, that's not going to happen until he comes or we go by the way of the grave and we are now glorified. We walk in obedience as we are being sanctified while we are still in these body suits. So our mindset is perfection, walking day by day, step by step to finish out this race. So so rather than wanting to scream about, well, You're teaching sinless perfection. No one is perfect. You mean to tell me you don't sin? We all sin. Well, that's the problem. That's the problem. We are not supposed to be sinning willfully, daily, habitually, like as if there's no judgment coming. But if we do miss the mark, well, we just read from John, we have an advocate in heaven, Jesus Christ. And glory be to God for the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Because we will never reach sinless perfection on this side of glory. But how we walk is walking toward sinless perfection. And when you walk, yes, Holy Spirit, and when you walk in toward sinless perfection, there will be no room for willful sin. You now have committed your life to obedience in Christ Jesus, not looking to do anything that will offend God. The mind must be renewed and 
It cannot be renewing if you are still got your head in this world trying to see what all everyone is doing. So let me give you these scriptures and then I'm going to let you go. These scriptures to whom the Bible says the Lord Jesus Christ will give eternal life too. So let us come over here. Now I'm reading it out of the Amplified. Let us come over here to Romans 2, verses 5 through 11. Okay. But because of your callous stubbornness and unrepented heart, you are deliberately storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath, when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will, listen, he will pay back to each person according to his deeds, justly as his deeds deserve. To those who by persistence in doing good seek unseen but certain heavenly glory, honor and immortality he will give the gift of eternal life period like literally there's a period verse 8 but for those who are selfishly ambitious and self-seeking and disobedient to the truth but responsive to wickedness, there will be wrath and indignation, period. Like literally, there's a period. There will be, listen, okay. And verse nine, we'll be at Romans two, verse nine. For me right now, Gots to be the most terrifying and sobering scripture in the Bible next to Revelation 2015, in my humble opinion. Look at verse 9. There will be tribulation and anguish, torturing confinement for every human soul who does or permits evil to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Amen. So, who is this? Paul is saying all of us can get it. Both Jew and Greek, we all can get it. But, here's the good news. Verse 10, Romans 2, but glory and honor and inner peace will be given to everyone who, listen, who, because this is the qualifier, okay? It's not just for any and, and every old body who is, Paul is about to tell us who qualifies to everyone who habitually does good to the Jew first and also to the Greek 
for God shows no partiality, no arbitrary favoritism. With him, one person is not more important than another. Amen. So those, according to the scripture, whose hover says up here, where are we at? Verse 7. Who by persistence in doing good seek unseen but certain heavenly glory, honor, and mortality, he will give the gift of eternal life. Amen. That's one of the many scriptures that lays it out perfectly clear about who to whom he will give eternal life to and to whom eternal destruction is given to. It's clear. It's, it's so clear. It's like it's cut right down the middle. Right down the middle. And those who are perishing wants to push that line as far as they can get it. That they can just slide their little happy selves into heaven. No, beloved. Oh, my favorite. John 10, 26 to 30. This got to be one of the most abused, twisted, twisting of scripture that I have ever heard amongst the camp of eternal security no matter how you live you got it out of that camp of once you are saved by golly you are always saved see that's the problem we are not saved until Christ comes to give us salvation. Now, we are being saved. We are being made ready to meet him, to receive the promise of the gift of eternal life. That terminology, once saved, always saved, denotes that you have that promised eternal life right now today. And therefore, according to their false doctrine, it makes sense to them. You can live however you want. Because the false doctrine sets a seal over the fact that no matter how you live, it don't matter if you are a homosexual, you're still going to heaven. It don't matter even if you are an unbeliever, you're still going to heaven. It don't matter if you are in an adulterous remarriage. All you got to do is repent, stay where you are, and you can just slide right on into heaven. Well, that's not true. That's a doctrine, a teachings of devils. And it don't matter who teaches it. Some renowned, according to the world standards, have taught this and they have died. Ain't no telling where that soul ended up. 
So John 10, 26 to 30, Christ is absolutely crystal clear like he just was in the previous scripture to whom he will give eternal life to. Away with all of this. Well, you know, that's that's just up for interpretation. By whom? You? So, verse 26, okay? Because Jesus was telling the Jews what their problem what their problem was and is. Listen, because from verse one all the way down, the context is about how Jesus is the door and that you have a bunch of hirelings, aka wolves in sheep's clothing, false teachers and the whatnot, claiming they have been given authority as shepherds to shepherd over the flock. But then when the wolf comes, they abandon the flock and the flock is scattered. And Jesus was saying he did not send them to do any work because Nine times out of ten, who knows? They they could have been sent, but they became apostate. But what he's talking about is those whom he never sent. He said they are self-appointed. They came in some other way because they didn't come through him, the door. And so the Jews were... <laughs> Keep asking and asking and asking. Tell us plainly, clearly, are you the Christ? And he was like, I told you. The problem is you just don't believe me. Hallelujah. So listen, John 10, 26. And he's given probably once again, how, how many times? He's giving them the same answer, but you do not believe me. So you do not trust and follow me. Why? Because you are not my sheep. You're not. Verse 27. The sheep that are my own hear my voice and listen to me. I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life. See? And I know some like, yeah, I, I follow Jesus. But do you really? But do you really? Because you cannot convince no one that you follow Jesus. And you living up in an adulterous remarriage when you have a living covenant spouse because the word of God says as long as that spouse is alive and you have divorced them as long as they are alive well the one flesh union covenant is still in effect it's still valid it hasn't gone away just because man issued you a, a writ of divorcement 
and you went out seeking for another bite at the apple, but now you're living in sin called adultery. Because as long as you're, listen, everybody, as long as your first spouse is still living and breathing in the earth, and you have since remarried, Jesus, not me, Jesus said in his word, you commit adultery. Every time you sleep, have sex with that other person, when you already have a living spouse, in the eyes of God, you two are still married. Every time you sleep with that other person, you are committing adultery against your spouse. And I know because I believe I may just have heard all the excuses, all the reasonings as to why it's not adultery. How we get there, I don't know. No, I know, no, I know how we <laughs> how we got there because. Many are living in self-delusion. The Bible is clear. No adulterer. No fornicator. No homosexual. No, no idolator. No effeminate male. No covetous, greedy, lying, murderous, gossiping, slanderous, lascivious person will inherit God's kingdom. And he, listen, he is not going to overlook your sin just because you said you repent, but you are still living in the sin. That's not how God's kingdom works. It's not. So if you are serious about your salvation, if you are, if you desire to be Jesus true sheep because because I ain't finished with John 10 over here then you got to come out of whatever it is that remarriage when you have a living spouse that homosexual triangular affairs adulterous affairs Drinking like a drunkard, smoking weed and cigarettes and partying and dressing like a harlot. All of that. All of the filth. You got to come out of it and live for Christ. For real, for real. Many have done it. Listen, was it Peter? Yeah, Peter told us. Remember earlier in the scripture? All of us are suffering trials, tribulations, persecutions, you name it, temptations. It ain't nothing new. We all are going through it. But those who are serious about getting up out of here in one piece, well, we fear the Lord. We know God ain't playing with that lake of fire and therefore we make the adjustment in our lives. God has done everything that needed to be done about sin and us storing up wrath for ourselves. He sent the Lord Jesus. Now, 
If you want your ears tickled so that you can stay in your field, there's a plethora of false teachers and prophets ready to take your money and tell you all what you want to hear only to end up in a burning hell as you await the final judgment to be thrown into the lake of fire. For eternity, there will be no relief. There will be no, well, after, you know, about 2,000 years, and then you get to come out and then go to heaven. No, there is no such place as purgatory. So, back over here to John 10, because Jesus is making us know that if we don't follow him, if we don't listen to him, if we don't obey him, well, we are not his sheep. We are deceived. Because in verse 28, because he had just finished saying that his sheep that are his, his own, hear his voice, they listen to him. He says, I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they will never ever by any means perish and no one will ever snatch them out of my and no one will ever snatch them out of my hand. This is not a doctrine for once I'm saved, I'm always saved. I can't be snatched out of Jesus' hand. I have eternal security. But but once he's talking about how no one, he's talking about a certain individual or individuals who could have the potential of snatching you out of his hand. But if you are his true sheep, no false teacher, no wolf in sheep's clothing, no apostate can pluck you out of his hand. You want to know why? Because we know the voice of Jesus. And Lord Jesus ain't saying you can live however you want. You can disobey me and don't worry about it. You can just slide on into heaven. We know he ain't never said anything like that, nor will he ever. Because if, oh yes, Holy Spirit, because if that's the case, then he died that brutal, violent, bloody, suffering, mangling death for nothing. If we can disobey God, just open up our mouths, say Jesus is Lord, say some unbiblical sinner's prayer, and then we can just skate on into heaven, then why did he have to die in such a way? Much less, why did he even have to come? Much more, why call him Lord, Lord, if you're not going to obey? Beloved, this is not hard to understand. It's only hard for the one who wants to live their best life now, live however they want, smoke, drink, sleep around, have unbridled sex, marry 10,000 times, 
But as long as you say out of your mouth, Lord, Lord, then you are good to go. No, 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 no. So, verse 29, John 10, my father who has given them, again, his sheep. My father who has given them to me is greater and mightier than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. I and the father are one in essence and nature. Amen. I love exhausting that because many have been dragged over there to that scripture, namely, and say, see, nothing you do can can snatch you out of Jesus' hand. But that's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about how you can't lose your salvation ever. No, he's talking about how false teachers and wolves in sheep's clothing can't pull you away from him because we wholeheartedly and obediently listen and obey Jesus, even even if it doesn't seem to make sense. Why why wouldn't he want me to be happy? Why why wouldn't he want me to keep searching and searching and, and remarrying and remarrying until I find the right one? Because it's sin to do so. And he knows best. He, yeah, Holy Spirit, I know. Some people think they know more than Jesus. That that they know what's best for them rather than what the Lord knows more. He wants us to live clean and holy. And to remain rooted and grounded in him even when it doesn't seem to make any sense so listen because listen don't let nothing or no one drag you to hell because when you end up there and you start weeping and gnashing over the fact that what i let a piece of sex Lead me here when all I had to do was to be celibate because I know life was nothing but a vapor, but eternity is everlasting. See, that's going into 2024. Let that be your mindset. Let nothing, no one, no thing trick and fool you that in eternity in his kingdom, that there will be darkness because it's not. Don't let anything make it seem worth the while. That you can still live in fornication and it's going to be okay because God will have mercy on me because he knows my heart and he, and he saw that I was trying but were you really? Were you really? So, Revelation 22, 11 to 15. Let 
stop the phone. Let the one who does wrong. Because see, <laughs> when I truly took a hold of this scripture, to me, in my mind, I can't imagine the Lord's expression and his, no, 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 his, his facial and body language when he was giving out this excitation and really a command. He's like, you know what? Whatever, whatever. You can say what you want to say. Okay. Because I'm coming quickly. And y'all can sit up there on that flat earth that I created and stay in your vomit, just living however you want. Because I've already said what I said and is going to stand. And so we have verse 11, Revelation 22. Let the one who does wrong still do wrong. And the one who is filthy, vile, impure still be filthy. And the one who is righteous, just, upright, still be righteous. And the one who is holy, still be holy. Behold, I, Jesus, am coming quickly and my reward is with me to give to each one according to the merit of his deeds. Earthly works, faithfulness. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the eternal one. Verse 14, blessed, happy, prosperous to be admired are those who wash their robes in the blood of Christ by believing and trusting in him, the righteous who do his commandments so that they, again, they, well, they who, Cynthia, well, he just told us the righteous who do his commandments, they may have the right. See, have the right. Why? Because, how, how did Christ say it up here? About the merits. Hold on. According to each one. Right. Up, up in verse 12. This is why they will have the right to have eternal life and to eat of that tree. Well, he says, according to the merit of his deeds. What deeds? Righteous deeds. The one who is holy, meaning separate from this world unto God. The merit of your deeds, your righteous deeds in Christ will be rewarded. He's, he's telling us over here, those who wash their robes in the blood of Christ by believing and trusting in him, the righteous who do his commandments so that they may have the right 
to the tree of life and may enter by the gates into the city because verse 15 must keep us all in sobriety because again, Christ is not confused. He knows who will be inside the gate and who will be outside the gates. Outside are the dogs, the godless, the impure, those of low moral character and the sorcerers with their intoxicating drugs and magic arts and the immoral persons, the perverted, the molesters, and the adulterers. See? Listen. Oh boy, no one is condemning anyone to hell. We are just relaying the message of Christ. He's saying over here too, just like he said it in Galatians chapter 5, as well in Colossians, as well in Ephesians, as well as in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10. He's saying it again over here. Outside of the gates of the kingdom are adulterers. And not only the adulterers and the murderers and the idolaters and everyone who loves and practices lying, deception, cheating. Amen. Well, amen. Amen. Okay. I believe I got two more. Then I'm going to let y'all go. Galatians 6, 7 to 8. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. He will not allow himself to be ridiculed, nor treated with contempt, nor allow his precepts to be scornfully set aside. I know. I know. For whatever a man sows, this and this only is what he will reap for the one who sows to his flesh. His sinful capacity, his worldliness, his disgraceful impulses will reap from the flesh ruin and destruction. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. Amen. So again, beloved, I'm, I'm giving us the scriptures. Just so we are not confused, nor should we be dummied down about eternal life and to whom it will be given to. The Christ is telling us in his word to whom he's going to give it to. Do not be deceived. Paul just said you by the Holy Spirit, you keep sowing to that nasty, stinking, rotten flesh. From that flesh, you're going to reap eternal destruction. Bottom line, lastly, Revelation 21, 1 through 8. Listen, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, vanished. And there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, 
arrayed like a bride, adorned for her husband. And then I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will live among them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be death. There will no longer be sorrow and anguish or crying or pain, for the former order of things has passed away. Amen. Verse 5, And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And also he said, Write, for these words are faithful and true. They are accurate, incorruptible, and trustworthy. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the one who thirsts, I will give water from the fountain of the water of life without cost. He who overcomes, verse 7, where are we at? Revelation 21, verse 7, he who overcomes the world by adhering faithfully to Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowards and unbelieving and abominable who are devoid of character, and personal integrity and practice or tolerate immorality and murderers and sorcerers with intoxicating drugs and idolaters and occultists who practice and teach false religions and all the liars who knowingly deceive and twist truth their part will be in the lake that blazes with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Amen. Enough said, beloved. Father, in the name of Christ Jesus, hallowed be thy holy, righteous, good, magnificent name. We know from Philippians 2, in verse 8, after he, Lord Jesus, was found in terms of his outward appearance as a man for a divinely appointed time, he humbled himself still further by becoming obedient to the Father to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also, because he obeyed and so completely humbled himself, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name 
which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in submission of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess and openly acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, sovereign God, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. And in verse 14, Father, we are exhorted to do everything without murmuring or questioning the providence of God so that you may prove yourselves to be blameless and guileless, innocent and uncontaminated children of God, without blemish in the midst of a morally crooked and spiritually perverted generation, among whom you are seen as bright lights, beacons, shining out clearly in the world of darkness. Amen. Oh, Father, we give you so much praise and thanks and honor this day that your children are not left clueless. We have your word on every single matter of life especially where it comes to eternal life. We know from your word that life is but a vapor. We are here and then we are not. How we live in between those two appointments, birth and death, will determine where the soul will spend eternity, either in the kingdom of God or the lake of fire. Help us, Father. Show us the way. Continue to send forth your messengers, heralding the good news. You must be born again in order to inherit God's kingdom. We must be spiritually reborn from above, totally transformed, made anew. Thank you for this word today, Father. We cannot do this without you. We need you. We are not here to question anything that you have said in your word. Let God be true and every man is a liar. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for my salvation. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Amen. Glory be to God. All right, beloved. Repent and believe. Stop sinning and turn back to God. Be not deceived, beloved. You and I 
cannot claim Jesus' name and do not and do not depart from iniquity because there are many false doctrines that will tell you yes you can you can only believe you have his grace nothing you can do to ever lose your salvation when in fact what happens is that people give it up by going back out into the world beloved let me go because i I, I feel, <laughs> I feel another righteous rant about the come on. Listen, be not deceived. Bad company will always corrupt your good morals. Arise to righteousness and stop sinning. Come to your senses and understand that the wages of sin will always be death. Lord willing, until next time, I shall be speaking to you all soon. Praise the living God. Bye for now. Thank you guys for tuning in. I truly appreciate all your support. Until next time, I'll be talking to y'all soon. Bye.